This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. And the pitch is swung on, hit the right field, hit deep. Whitefield going back at the track over his head and over the wall. Do you believe that? And 29 other MLB clubs. Ramirez with a drive to deep right. Away back. Go Gohei gets a bomb out there by the Rocks. And boy, oh boy, this third inning is now showtime. It is a judgy in blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe. From humidors to spin rates to game-changing moments, we have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to a Friday edition of A's Cast Live as we're getting you ready for the A's and the Rays and a full slate of baseball on a Friday. And this is going to be fun. You all right? You all right, big fella, to start a Friday? Yeah, there's volume coming through that iPad. Let me fix that. I'm going to allow you to fix that as I will talk about my beautiful Masters shirt while you are fixing uh, our audio issue. Yes, it is a Masters week. They're back playing at Augusta. I had a little issue with Weathers, but I wore the Masters green today for you. Um, What's great about the Masters stuff, you have to go to the Masters actually to buy this stuff, and I was lucky to go uh, last year. It was a really special trip, so the rest of the week you'll be seeing Masters stuff. As uh, you'll see, I did my hit for NBC today. I'll be doing a hit on Easter Sunday, Masters Sunday, so we got the Masters gear on today. Paul Hembikides from ESPN will join us at 1.30. He is, uh, he's making the rounds today. Was it today he was on Good Morning America? It was. Here, let me, uh, he sent me a picture. Let me, let me share it. Oh, there's Hembo on Good Morning America. Let me see. Him and Greeny. I tried to make the picture where it fit better, but that's the best I could do. So there's one, and then there's Hembo again. They him got their new book. I, I, I'm telling you, I'm sure there's been people, when we have brought Hembo on, and if you're not really into baseball, if you're not a hardcore baseball, like you're not grinding Buster Olney's podcast every day, if you're not getting up early, because he does the ESPN morning show get up, but obviously that's really early here out west. Uh, Paul McKeady's a big deal. So when we bring him on, we're lucky to have him. So if you've always been like, who is this guy they call Himbo? Uh, there's pictures of him on Good Morning America. Kind of a highly watched show, still on television. Yeah, at Paul Hembo on Twitter, if you want to follow him, uh, good follow. Talk tweets a lot about Philadelphia sports, but he uh, does all the stats for these two 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 little shows you might have heard of Monday Night Football. All the stuff they're using on Monday Night Football, it's from him. Sunday Night Baseball too, right? Why? Oh, sorry. You love jumping the gun. I like bearing. You're the like lead. that. <laughs> uh, yes, Sunday Night Baseball. 
Uh, Himbo does all the stats for that. Plus, he's on Get Up. They have a new book. We're always lucky to have Himbo and establish that relationship where we found Himbo on uh, Buster Olney's podcast, Baseball Tonight. Yeah, same with Sarah Langs, not two of our best friends of the program. Uh, Cody is not wearing masters. He still has Link Soul on. Do we have our new Link Soul graphic that will be up today? Yes, it'll be up when when we have guests on because I can't do it with a. I love it. Remember, Link Soul. You want great clothing? Our sponsor, LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Whether you want to look good golfing, going to dinner, you name it. I mean, they even for the casual hoodies, t-shirts, outstanding. Um, also going to join us today. We are going to have former athletic, now doing television and radio for the Rays. Matt Joyce will be here. Mark Kotze will not be here, and that's on us. Well, actually, he is here. Mark Kotze, the Mandalorian bobblehead here. So you can take the – in the Mandalorian, you're not supposed to take your helmet off. So we'll leave the, ha- the helmet on, Mando. It's part of the creed, the Mandalorian creed. This is the way. They can never take it off? No. Like ever? You're not supposed to, no. Like No they- one's supposed to see your face. They don't shower. They shower with it on. Star Wars. They don't take showers. They don't eat either. When they, with the person, they, they still have to have the Mandalorian yeah, on. Yeah, it's from what I know. There's like there's ones that take it off, but they can't ever get back. You have to like bathe yourselves in the waters on Mandalore, and that's what uh, Finn Jaren did. The guy who plays the Mandalorian. So if I want to create a child, I still have to have my helmet on. Is what I'm getting at. Uh, yes. So Mark Hotze Mandalorian, I have the full screen going. Mark Hotze Mandalorian bobblehead is Thursday, May 4th with the purchase of a special theme night ticket. I've never seen that. Thursday, May 4th, 12.37 p.m. It's actually fitting. They're doing a bunch of Star Wars stuff on social media today, uh, announcing new shows and stuff. So we got Kotze as Mandalorian and Shohei Otani as Obi-Wan Kenobi or as a Jedi. You know, when I played against Mark Kotze in college, he had hair. <laughs> the beard probably wasn't as gray. He wasn't gray, and he had hair when I played against Mark Kotze, and he was at Cal State Fullerton. A, but, Dad, we're giving that away May 4th. Uh, fitting. May the 4th be with you. And you then, can never take the helmet off. No. You have to watch the show. It's pretty good. That's a ridiculous rule. It's television. It's not television. It's streaming. Uh, well, it sure is Disney+. Plus. That is, that is ridiculous. If you have a problem, take it up with John Favreau, the, the creator of The Mandalorian. So, I screwed up, and Kotze told me on the field on – on earlier this week, at what point? Whether it be Wednesday, the, the uh, no, 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 no Tuesday. 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 He told me noon, and I went, "Yeah, that works great for us." Not putting together that noon in Tampa is nine a.m. our time, and so when I got the text from Arcadze today saying, "Where are you guys?" and I was getting stretched out at the old stretch lab. Uh oh, <laughs> our bus. So Arcadze will join us on Monday, Monday from Baltimore. Which, let's face it, this series right here, you want to talk about a series for the season? It's real interesting, man, because you're going up against a red-hot Rays team. Just not the fact that they've won six in a row to start the season. That's, they're not the first team to do that. They're not going to be the last. That's not a big deal. It's nice. Everybody's going to have streaks, right? You're going to lose six in a row at some point or four in a row, win six, win four, win eight. You're going to have streaks, right? It's the roller coaster ride. Hell, the Phillies started 0-4. And they had that must win. You said it was a must win, and they got that must win. That was a big, that was a big win. And then they lost the next day. Um, all six of Tampa's wins have been by four or more runs. That's the second longest streak 
of four-plus run wins to start a season. Can you name? Can you name, Cody? I want you to go through your encyclopedia of a brain, everything you know about baseball. I think we got you stumped here. Can you name the other team? I don't think you can. Now, I'm not going to bet you on this, but I don't think you can name the other team in the history of baseball that had four or more run wins to start a season go 6-0. and So you're basically beating up on every team, right? You have six wins, you won by four. What's the run differential? I didn't even check. It's got to be insane uh, to start the season. Uh, if everybody you beat... Every game you beat them by four runs or more. Yeah, well, they played Detroit and uh, who the the Nationals. Yeah, plus twenty. Yeah, plus thirty one. It's pretty good. What are we? We're already at minus what? Um, I I knew after the first couple. We were minus seventeen, and then we lost. We're probably like minus eighteen. Yeah, race plus thirty one. The Oakland Athletics right now are uh, only minus nineteen. Minus 19. Is that the worst? Hold on. So not, wait, not go, the worst in baseball. Go to the So minus 19 and weather rays plus 31. Yep. Do you realize thir- plus 31 versus minus 19, what we're looking at going into this game? Now, I know people are going to say, because Johnny did this to me yesterday or two days ago and posted, well, it's that one, one game where they lost 13 to 1. Well, then they also lost 6 nothing. But then again, that's how you end up having a minus 100 or 200 run differential at the end of the year. Uh, you start off being minus 19. The only team's worse right now currently. Um, you got the um, <clears throat> uh, Philadelphia Phillies at minus 23. Uh, Detroit is at minus 23. Uh, sorry, Phillies at minus 24. Detroit minus 23. Uh, the Nationals minus 22. And that's that's it. So that's that's where we that's where we stand right now. The next closest would be a couple teams at minus 15. You still. Haven't answered yeah. the question, who is the team that the Rays are chasing for the all-time record? Because, wait a minute, this team won their first 13 games. <laughs> they went 13-0, and and every game they won by four or more. Uh, I'm going to go with the 1914 Boston Braves. That's not correct. I don't know. The 18, You I, we told you this already. What? The 1884. Oh, no, I, I was playing into the bit like I didn't oh, know. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, she, that's why I wouldn't bet him. Uh, <laughs> 1884 St. Louis Maroons. Should we look up their roster and see who's on that team? <laughs> Who was on the 1884 St. Louis Maroons? 1884. Oh, boy. They went 19. Or here's what their record was. 94-19 uh, and 1. They had two managers who went – Wait for it. Twenty-eight and three. They lost only nineteen games. Yeah. Uh, Ted Sullivan took a, was twenty-eight and three. Then Fred Dunlap came and went sixteen and six, sixty-six and sixteen and one. I don't know why they had two managers, but I'd probably say health reasons. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think was there a war. I, I don't. Th- I don't think they were getting fired. Was there a war then? I don't know. Maybe he got a better job. It was, <laughs> a, it was a different pay scale back in the day. Their war leader was. I love how Ke- for catcher says George Baker question mark. Uh, I don't know if, what that means. Their war leader was Fred Dunlap, who, way for it, was a player manager. Uh, 7.8 war that year. I got to tell you, it's a strong mustache team back in 1884. It's been so long, they don't even have RBIs listed. But they do have home runs, and it was Fred Dunlap hit 13 home runs to lead the team. We didn't keep track of RBIs, stolen bases, or caught stealing, or strikeouts. Uh, they did have walks. He also scored, uh, an, er, he also scored an incredible. We talked about what Marcus Simeon did a few years ago at the A's. Fred Dunlap, 
scored 160 runs that year. Is that any good? So the Rays are outscoring their opponents 44-13. to 13. The last team to begin the season 7-0 and was the 2016 Orioles. Would that be a Buck Showalter-led Oriole team? With Manny Machado, yeah. So you're going in to a series against a team that's absolutely red hot. It kind of reminds you of last year, doesn't it? The Rays were picked to be one of the better teams in baseball. The A's lost two out of three to start the season in Philadelphia because of the lockout. Actually, Christian Pache would play really well. And all of a sudden, everybody started talking about Christian Pache, like, oh, my God, we got the future, right? I haven't looked. I haven't been following to see what he's done with the, with the uh, Phillies. I know he started on Sunday Night Baseball and didn't get a hit. And the A's would take three out of four from Tampa, and that's where I started the mantra, why not us? Yeah, they were 10-9. Why not us? 10-9 and nine after 19 games. By the way, Pache 0 for 6 on the year already. Mm, shocker. Then that why why not us kind of uh, why not us kind of faded kind of quick. why not us we go into Tampa and take two out of three why not us God that yeah you know, t- to tell you tell you that loss on Wednesday for the day game and in extra innings if they could have won that game ever the after the Jesus Aguilar home run which, great at bat which was incredible we haven't seen in that bat like that since Jesus Aguilar in 2018 yeah. 13 pitch at bat when he did it then. You would have been 500 going into this. This is, this road trip is really key for the start of this season. And I'm not going to be Captain Obvious. Wow, look at the record. It really is key because this is the first time this group of men are traveling together. You know, everything has been spring training. Spring, what happens in spring training? Well, everybody goes to Arizona, you know. Some of these guys have wives. Some of these guys have kids, girlfriends. Some guys live in Arizona. So you're not really bonding and hanging out all that much, right? Season starts, you guys all come to Oakland. Guys are, you know, majority of our guys are, I bet everybody was looking for a new place to live. I know Nick Allen's in a different place than he was last year. I didn't ask Seth Brown about that, but we don't have very many holdovers. I'm sure all the guys, like even Waldachuk and Sears, were living out of a hotel last year. Like um, Muller and Langoliers are living together. So these guys probably all have new places, new roommates. Guys who are married, got to find a place for your family. So they haven't had time just to be A's players and hanging out. And if you got to, I talked about this on the post-game show, the clubhouse show with Johnny D that I did with him after the day game, but we we did a thing on it. I wanted to ask Stu, as I did the TV, NBC Sports California, uh, with the A's legend, A's Hall of Famer, Dave Stewart, I said, what would you do as a leader? Because Stu was an absolute leader, right? I mean, Stu was the leader of that crew. Stu told the story that what he would do is he'd tell everybody on the first road trip. He'd say, bags are going to your room. You don't need to worry about it. This is the big leagues. Everybody into the hotel bar. Two drink minimum. Whether you drink alcohol or not, you got to stay for at least two drinks. And it's funny. He said, even if you drink milk, you got to stay there for two <laughs> drinks. 
which I doubt not. I guarantee you he was softening the story. But he tells a story that they would sit there, and he'd start ordering food, right? Start getting, I don't know, whatever, pizza, wings, whatever stuff they added there at the bar. And it gets guys talking. It gets guys hanging out. And next thing you know, they close the bar down. Last call. Two drink minimum. Let's hang out together. Everybody talk. And what happens? They all sat there. And what happens for hours, as we all know, is everybody starts getting a little liquored up. Everybody starts opening up. Everybody starts talking. Well, now you've been in there for four or five hours. Not one guy left. Everybody stayed there. And it's great bonding. This is the first bonding trip. I asked Mark Kotze as he was, I can't tell you what he was texting me when we weren't responding at 9 a.m. to where the hell are we. Um, I did ask him, did you guys do anything? He said, "Ah, the guys got together, but they didn't do an official thing as a team. But they will. I think they may do it in Baltimore. But that's the thing about that first trip. This is a bond, and this is just not for the A's. This is for a lot of teams, right? Even if you look at the most veteran team, they added players. And you want to welcome these young players or these new players onto the squad. You know, I saw this video last night. I don't even know why they are playing. It was CC Sabathia. They were just going through his career. There's no question he's a Hall of Famer. I don't disagree. Like, seriously. I, I think just that magical run he had with the Brewers where he started every, three, every third day is the, is, puts him in the Hall of Fame alone. He was dominant with Cleveland. He was. He was a Cy Young Award winner. He came up when he was like 19 or 20. He was dominant. Him and Cliff Lee he was dominant. So I, I, I was just watching that. And, you know, he's Bay Area guy, Vallejo. So, yeah, I, I'm without a doubt, CC. But CC talked about going to the Yankees when he signed as a free agent. And there was that learning process. So even with a star player coming in, it's good to have these type of things where everybody gets together, put your guard down. Learn each other. And let's face it, some of these guys have competed against each other. You don't know who hasn't liked who. Right? Yeah. Like, you don't know that if a player comes in, inside the clubhouse, there's other guys going, we can't stand that guy. I mean, like, let's just say Manny Machado signed with the A's. And all the old A's players were still here. There would be some beef. Right, and that's a good thing. That would be a good way to, to, take down the curtain, take down people's walls, have a couple drinks, everybody hang out, get to know each other. So that that's so, as important as it is just for the record, as you're going to take on a good Tampa team, you're going to be taking on a good Baltimore team, and they've gotten much better at ever since. For some reason, they moved the wall back. They got better at home. Um, this is important for this club. Not only record, but just, you know, to figure out who you are. So when you do come back, I mean, you come back, you got the Mets, right? Yeah. Mets and Cubs? Mets and Cubs, yeah. I mean, this is not this first part of the season is not easy. You're playing a lot of potential playoff teams right out of the gate. Angels, because you always pick them to win. Um, Kobe Shoutone's last, uh, <clears throat> last home opener for the Angels tonight. Ooh. Yeah, I said it. Ooh. I wanna, I'm going Ooh. on a limb there. Are you going to be shocked if he re-signs? Actually, yes. Really? I think that – I think that. well, we don't have to get into it. I still think it's the Dodgers. 
They didn't spend any money this last offseason. I think they're just gearing up the brain to lure him to Hollywood. Well, you can pretty much take out 90-something percent of all teams. Yep. He did, well, he's he's not signing in the Midwest. No. And he's not going to He's not signing in the Northeast. Or, no, excuse me, the Northwest, North Midwest, not Southwest. He's not going to Texas. He's not going to the Astros. He's not going to the Royals. He's not going to the Twins. Not going to the Cardinals. The Chicago teams, no. He's going to be on a coast, and it basically is like Dodgers, Yankees, Mets. And I, th- uh, I think the sleeper is uh, Seattle. Seattle, Japanese, E-tro. Asian population, yeah. Ichiro there. He, he was just up there. Do you see the respect he showed each? Well, that's – to us, we go, wow, that's respect. To them, that's their culture. Yeah, they do, and they do it every time, and it's awesome to see it. Cause they I, bow. I, he, yeah. he bowed to Ichiro. Ichiro's his elder. Still, you don't bow to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's, you're not a future Hall of Famer. Well, actually, you are in a Bay Area Radio Hall. could be a Bay Area Radio Hall of I'm Fame. not in radio. I'm a streamer. Well, I was going to nominate you for the Bay Area Radio Hall of Fame, then I missed the deadline. Thanks. Um, Next year. I don't, I don't think he's going to Boston. Um, I don't know. To... I don't know. Yoshida's there, and they played together in the WBC. You want to maximize your value as a Japanese international superstar? You're not going to Boston. No, I think it's like... it's New York or LA. Yeah, and then again, if they does or Tampa, you think he goes to Tampa? Hey, they're spending money now. They signed F. They gave Zach Eflin, who's starting tonight for Tampa against the A's, the largest free agent contract in history. It was three years for forty million. Three years, forty million. He's pitching well this year. I mean, they, yeah, they, they've changed him, by the way. We yeah. can get into that a little bit later. But um, you got me off. Where was I going before you went uh, Otani, uh, switching teams? Where were we? What were we talking about? Big oh, road trip. Oh, so so you're facing some oh, people. Think, teams, yeah. Some people think the Angels can be. Obviously, the Guardians. Yeah. I mean, they're, they will probably be in it unless something dramatically happens. Now you got Tampa. They're probably going to be in it. Baltimore. They're no slouch anymore. They're not a slouch. They're going to have a puncher's chance. New York expects to be there. So you got all these teams. You're playing right out of the gate with a ton of talent. You're going to find out exactly who you are. But no matter what the record is, you're then going to have a whole nother first part of the season where you're then going to have, if you do struggle, as I'm going to bring up the schedule, you do have a lot of winnable games. And that's why bonding now coming together now is so key because you're going to have a chance to take the Cubs at home. You're going to have a chance to take the Cincinnati Reds at home, right? Texas Rangers. Oh, they got out to a hot start. Bruce Bochy. It's what wasn't that? What wasn't that one of our big uh, yeah, overreaction overreaction Bochy's, first week? Bochy still has a magic touch. Oh, first weekend. Yeah. Magic touch for, but what's their record now? Uh, I don't think uh, they, Texas is actually leading the ALS at four and two. Yeah, they got out to a hot start. We'll see. We'll see. I'll bring up the standings here real quick. Yeah, four and two. So you got the Angels four and two. You got Texas four and two. Ooh, Blummer said. Blum, our buddy Jeff Blum said the Astros could struggle early. Get them early. Might just be the truth. And how about the Mariners starting out two and five? It's early. It's okay. Oh, it's early. Yeah. It's early. <laughs> The fun differential's not there? Uh, I don't think so yet. I mean, they had a lot of people at their ballpark the first weekend against Cleveland. <laughs> you know where they're playing tonight? In Cleveland. Sartier at home against Cleveland. 
they're, next week they're playing in Cleveland, and then they're done with Cleveland for the year. So get the Guardians out of the way. There's a stat about the race, too. Six of the race first 32 games this year are against teams with winning a winning record from last year. Six of 32. So the Rays can beef up their record the first 32 games. If well, they obviously play well. we're we're three of the wait. No, only six, six of the uh, only six of the race first 32 games are against teams with winning records. Yeah. With a winning record from last year, I don't I haven't looked at their schedule, but they played they started out against Detroit, then they played the Nationals, and now they're playing the A's. And I forgot I don't know who they play next. They're the 10th team in the wild card era to start a season with six consecutive wins. Of the previous nine teams, seven made the postseason, but only one won the World Series. The 2015 Kansas City Royals. So you're saying there is absolutely no correlation to starting out undefeated and winning the whole thing? Only one, only one team did it. Two teams missed the playoffs. Started out undefeated. Who missed the playoffs after starting out undefeated? That'd be uh, your 2015 Detroit Tigers. They they didn't. They end up being uh, 13 games under 500. Well, that was that was the end of their run. Yes, because remember we faced them in the playoffs 12, 13. They're in it for They're like the Angels. They've made it since 2014. The other team, start getting old and expensive. The other old team, and expensive. The other team was the 03 Royals. They tore they tore old Space Mountain <laughs> down. Uh, the 03 Royals won 83 and 79 and didn't make it. The 03 Royals? Yeah, that was, uh, was that Tony Pena was the manager, I want to say. The 03. Angel Can- Barreau was one of their players. I think Granky was, was Granky there. No Bo Jackson. That team, there was a lot of young guys on No old George Brett. 2003. He was on the 03. Is that Beltron and Jermaine Dye yeah. and those guys? Tony Pena was the manager, so uh, they had. Jermaine Dye wasn't yet with the Angels. Angel Barroa, Joe Randa, Raul Banez, Carlos Baltron, Mike Sweeney. Oh, wait a minute. What year did uh, Jermaine Dye go to the A's? That would have been 02. Oh. Did he show up in 02? No. No, he wasn't. He was already on the Moneyball team, wasn't he? Huh? Was he on the Moneyball team? No. Then it would have been 03 then. And their, their best pitcher that year was? Kevin Apier. Uh, no, uh, Daryl May was 10. He had 10 wins. Wow. But yeah, that's just something that I, th- I thought I had great. Kevin Napier was on the team. He was one and two that year. He was getting old. Yeah. Uh, you, who were you asking about Jermaine Dye? Just so we can knock that one. Yeah, what year did he show up? Uh, friend of the program, Jermaine Dye. White uh, Sox hero. Uh, oh, one. So he was on the yeah. other team. Oh, one. He came over from Kansas City. Did he not show up last year for the, uh, celebration? I don't think he did because remember we talked to him over the we talked to him over the phone. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I remember we interviewed him. Yeah, the people that came for the the ceremony were like old what man you, when, justice and. When did uh, when did die like oh four oh five go on to can uh, Chicago? When did he go to Chicago? Um, he was there in oh five. The year they won the World Series. Yeah. Wow. Talk wow. Oh five. Joined the team in oh five. You won the World Series. You you have a statue of Jeff Blum. Oh five. So, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. 18 years ago. Like, they start doing stuff with Masters with, like, Tiger Woods, and you're, like, going, oh, my God, that was that long ago? That was that long ago? 05, I was a sophomore in high school. 05 was the year my kids were born. Yeah, see, we're really going back. 17 years. Yeah, when the Chicago White Sox won the series was the year my twins were born. They're now juniors in high school. That's how fast things go by. All right, coming up next, he has become an absolute star. Forget ESPN. He's now on Good Morning America. Do you got the book ready to go to promote the book? 
Is it even out? Uh, I thought so. Here, here you go. Let me. There you go. There's Hembo and Greeny right there on Good Morning America. There they are again. Paul Hembakides, now global superstar, joins us next right here on A's Cast Live. This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Streaming from the town, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. It looks like my Michael Jordan question is stumping people at NBC Sports California. It's a good question. It and is. So maybe you know who know. Maybe Hembo will know the answer to it. Later today, if you're watching the A's pregame show on NBC Sports, you'll be seeing me do my little hit, Townie's takes, <laughs> and I will have a well. If I tell him, then people will know the answer. Oh, yeah. You don't want to give it away then. Yeah. So don't ask. Ah, who cares? Do you know Paul <laughs> Hembakides, who gave up Michael Jordan's first professional hit? Who gave up Michael Jordan's first professional hit? You know, I'm such a big baseball fan that I actually associate him much more with the Birmingham Barons than I do the Chicago Bulls. Um, but I, I still don't know the answer to this question. I, I know Terry Francona was his manager. I know my partner at the time, Mike Greenberg, was actually by his side because he was covering Michael Jordan and the Bulls at the time. But I don't know the answer to this question. It didn't make our book any of the chapters that Michael Jordan is occupying in our book. So I'm going to have to pass as this supposed trivia maestro on the worldwide leader in sports. What have you done? I mean, seriously, it's not that hard. I mean, this is something that you either know or you don't know. This is not something that you could deduce. I don't know who gave up Michael Jordan's first professional hit. It could be literally any pitcher from that time as far as I'm concerned. That's fact. It is Scott Emerson, pitching coach for the Oakland Athletics. Oh, I like the hook. Good play. So that's, that's the, you know what? The that's tie in, to be get in the it? sequel. Get it? The that's tie in? Be in the sequel to Got Your Number. Hey, by I the like way, very much. where's the suit from Good Morning America? Can I, if I'm just allowed to be honest with you, Good Morning America was fun. I don't have any more fun, however, on any show than on A's Cast Live. I had the opportunity to come on here. I had the opportunity to talk about whatever I want. I had the opportunity to talk ball as nerdy as I want. Wearing the suit was cool. My wife and a fashion major friend of hers actually went out to Men's Warehouse without me to purchase exactly what I was wearing. That's how little faith and trust she has in me and my judgment and discernment. You look Ultimately, great. By the way, I you look great. I didn't make a, I didn't make a, uh, I didn't make a fool of myself. And that's the objective here. Like the objective here is not to find a new job. To 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 the objective here is not to do like to you know some, uh, offer some profound answer that leaves the crowd stunned in silence. The the objective here is not to bleep up. And I managed somehow, some way, not to bleep up. You look drip, my friend. Ripped, huh? Drip. 
Oh, drip. Is you're that what dri- the kids are saying? You're dripping, as the kids like to say. Well, that's what my kids say. So <laughs> you were dripping, my friend. You look great. Uh, got your number. Let's promote the book. I mean, last time we talked about it, we couldn't purchase it. Now we can purchase it. Purchase it. I see on Amazon, 20 bucks. I can get it delivered to the house. Uh, got your number. What is the book? Why did you guys do it? And what am I getting? What am I reading when I get the book? So first of all, I am infinitely grateful for the platform. Uh, you put me on the air way before it was cool, way before Good Morning America knew who I was, way before I was the co-author of a potential best-selling book. So you, my friend, are to thank first and foremost. If you are interested in my work, if you have ever enjoyed any stat that I have regurgitated or recited on this air, if you like my trivia questions on Get Up, if you like my commentary on ESPN Radio, I can assure you that this is the book for you. Obviously, if you are listening to this show, you're a big baseball fan, but you are also very likely a big sports fan. So let me give you the quick rundown of what we have done. This book, Got Your Number, has 100 chapters, one through 100. We have assigned, uh, essentially for each chapter, who owns each number in sports, one through 100. So to give you a quick rundown, Babe Ruth is chapter three. Michael Jordan is chapter 23. Wayne Gretzky is chapter 99. Jackie (laughs) Robinson is chapter 42. These are obvious, right? These were super easy to pick and to, to, to wax rhapsodic about these legendary athletes. However, only 56 out of the 100 chapters are assigned or designated jersey numbers. There are 20 chapters for which we have attached records to athletes. There are 18 chapters attached to years and either teams or individual accomplishments in those years. And so it's kind of a spinoff of the idea, who is the best player to ever wear number X? That was just the very tip of the iceberg. And if you're a big baseball fan, I'll I'll say this. I made sure baseball is properly and adequately represented in these 100 chapters. There are 20 chapters associated with baseball players. It is the second most common player type in our book. The only thing that we have more of, we have 24 uh, football players. We do have 20 baseball players. And if you're a fan of stats, if you're a fan of information, if you're a fan of trivia, honestly, most more than anything else, if you're a fan of history, you're going to really, really like what you read in these pages. And I think that um, you are very likely to learn at least something in each of the 100 chapters that you read. Now, what do you think? How was that pitch? Did I do a good job of impersonating Greeny during that pitch? I, 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 well, Mike Greenberg is a part of this? <laughs> Look, he did a really nice job in rearranging the contents of my emails and copy-pasting them into, into the book. He did a great job with it. I, and he's I, a great pitch man. <laughs> I, I know who did this book. Paul Himbo Himbikides. It says right below Everyone it. makes that joke. I, I want to be honest and truthful. The best way to describe this are my numbers and his words. And the combination thereof have produced something that we're really, really excited about because like you can tell stories in sports any number of ways, but obviously like the sports writing tradition is something that we hold near and dear, but look, the statistics and, and numbers are the common language among sports fans. That is our vernacular. And so what we have done, I think is a really clever way to kind of intersect the two, combine the two in creating a book that I think sports fans really, no matter how much you love sports, no matter how casually you might follow sports, no matter how much you know about numbers or how little you might know about numbers, I think it's going to be for you regardless of where you might fall. So for you, like you just had twins. Now you're putting a book out. I mean, this is putting yourself out there. What was it like when you get the book and you're going on Good Morning America and everybody is now going to see this work? This is like having a third child. (laughs) Yes, I would say this. This book that I'm holding in my hands, at least so far, has been a lot more work (laughs) than the two girls. Although my wife's going to be going off of leave sometime in May, at which point that will definitely be flipped. So I will will definitely say this, though. When I held this thing in my hand for the first time, it was – It was an incomparable feeling. Nothing compares to holding your children the the moments they're born, obviously. 
But the ownership that I take over this and the pride with which I researched and helped write this is something that is really unlike anything that I can ever experience in my career. And you, you have given me, like many others now, the opportunity to talk about these things on the air. And I obviously love it. But you know me well, man. At my, at my core, like my bones, the ethos of my career, I'm a researcher. I love the numbers. I love looking stuff up and I love using them to tell stories. And so in that sense, it's kind of something I would consider my magnum opus. Like if you like my research, if you think the things that I say are clever or interesting or informative, I think this book is really, really going to shake you up. I, I think you'll, you'll like it a lot. And on this show, you don't have to talk about LeBron, Tom Brady, or the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. We can, we can talk about the fact that the Rays haven't lost a game yet. You can talk about the fact that the Phillies' bullpen stinks on ice. We can talk <laughs> about the fact that the Angels, the Angels, who knows, maybe the Angels might wind up doing something this year. I wouldn't count on it. But we can talk about whatever we want in the world of baseball. What, what, are, you, what are you waving at me that's, there? That's the rally monkey. Oh, the rally monkey. The infamous really rally monkey. over the years. My God. Uh, all right, let's start with this. This is something that, who knows, you may write a book about in the future. This era of baseball where the rules have changed. I mean, we're so early in this. Everything's real positive. But what this could do to baseball long term. So the instant impact. What do you think? Well, I think so far that unless you are a troglodyte and you just can't like you just hate change no matter what change is. It's really hard to dispute that what Major League Baseball has done here has worked like a charm. So I ran the numbers, and most recently, the average nine-inning game this year is taking two hours and 36 minutes. It's shaved 27 minutes a day off of your life. Now, I am all, I am all good with, with, with the counter-argument. I love baseball, and to me, more baseball is a good thing. Here's the problem. You're not getting any less baseball. You're getting less nothing. You're getting less batting glove adjustment. You're getting less pitchers futzing around. You're getting less mound visits. Like, you're not missing anything. And in fact, it is my belief that the time of game is much less impactful on the product than the pace of play. Because right now you have a ball in play every something like th- uh, three minutes and 15 seconds. Two years ago, it was once over every four minutes. Think about that. Two years, just two years ago, a ball was put in play once every four minutes and some odd seconds. We've shaved more than 45 seconds off of that. Think about the number of batted balls in a game. The frequency with which stuff happens. That's what the point here, man. The point is stuff is happening more frequently. You're not as inclined to look down at your phone. Our attention spans have obviously shrunk because of the smartphone. Baseball is finally fielding a 21st century product, and I, for one, am here for it. Well, and and people would say to me, I don't want less baseball. I'm like, did we take innings away? Did we take outs away? We still have the exact same game. It's just faster. We haven't taken this. It was so hard for people to realize we're not taking any part of the game away. We're just doing it faster. And for some reason, some of these old riders still want to hold on to it. And they're like, oh, but what about the epic moments? I'm like, well, the biggest, most epic moments we have seen come in Super Bowls. And by the way, those are all timed. I am... I am sympathetic to the notion that some of these big moments in the postseason, you would like to milk. You would like to let breathe. But and I think you just mentioned was- Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan played under a clock, and he's got mm-hmm. the biggest moments we've ever seen. Sure did. Like the Otani Trout moment in the WBC, people like to point to. What I would say is, if we lose any of that, like if we lose any of that late inning drama, any of that like tension, right? I think you more than make up for it in the fact that you're going to have younger people allowed to stay up and watch the end of World Series games for the first time in a generation. The fact that you're going to have more stuff happening and you're going to be more gripped and clutched by the action. To me, 
where this is going to be most magnified and most useful is actually in the postseason because that's when the most eyeballs are going to be on it. And that's when young people are going to say to themselves and, and casual fans of the sport that are just tuning in, wow, this is so much better than I remember. Over the last five years, the average World Series game has ended at 11.57 Eastern. Oh, that is not good enough. No, It's a completely absurd figure. We have to be done with it. What we have to do is, let's again, nine innings and 27 outs. Like you said, we're still playing. We haven't, we haven't lost any baseball. We've lost a lot of nothing. And if, and if you can find a way to get two and a half days of your life back over the course of a season, a half an hour of your life back over the course of a single day, it's not just about the time, man. It's that the product within those two hours and 36 minutes has improved so much so. I think we'll continue to iron out the Kings. We'll see people like Manny Machado thrown out once a week for a little while, and people will raise a stink. <laughs> but halfway through the season, you're going to wonder why we haven't been doing this for the last 20 years. Yeah, no doubt. And the one thing that shocked me right out of the gate, and obviously this is just the first week, but looking at Babbitt, batting averages, balls put in play, it's definitely up, but it's up the most for right-handed hitters. I thought no shifting this is going to affect the lefties, and it has, but it's also really affected the righties. It has, and it's affected everybody. Baseball is just a better game now, and there's more singles to be had. There's more surface area to be had, regardless of how you hit. I did do an interesting study, that, and I looked at uh, average launch angle. And I looked at average launch angle because I wanted to ask myself, have hitters adjusted to the fact that there is no shift to contend with? The right-handed hitters have about the same launch angle year over year. So while their batting average on balls in play is higher, it's not obvious that there has been a substantial change in approach. What is fascinating is that there is a massive data shift for left-handed hitters. League, like I thought we would see individual lefties adjust. Like some of these kind of left-handed um, guys would say fringe power that used to just have to swing out of their shoes because otherwise they're not going to get a single in that hole, right? It's been league-wide. The average launch angle among left-handed hitters in totality is down by more than one degree. Now, that might not sound like a lot, but when you're surveying an entire league, that is a massive change. Again, we're only talking about one week of data, but what it demonstrates to me is that hitters and their pitching and hitters and their hitting coaches have said to themselves, there are more hits available. We are going to change our approach overall. And this is what you're going to love the most, my friend. It is the most pronounced. That's, that, that decline in launch, average launch angle is most pronounced with two strikes. We have a two-strike approach in baseball. Again. Oh, stop! That is not it. to say that we—I'm not kidding. That is not to say that we won't see people swinging out of their uh, out of their shoes and out that of their. That can't butts happen. Well, if we talk about this, we're going to get fired in baseball. A two-strike approach. <laughs> Look, I'm not doing an interview uh, to, to, to be an analytics staffer right now. I'm just telling you what the data say. If you tell me people are starting, if if you tell me people are starting to bunt more, I'm going to have to start sharpening my resume. <laughs> I'll be fired. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know that we're going to see many more bunts. But the fact that we're seeing left-handed hitters with two strikes, choke and poke, punch and Judy, have a day, kid. Yeah, I mean, home runs still. You, you hit more home runs in the opposition, you win. But we're just seeing more action. You know, people forget we're in the entertainment business. We need entertainment. And watching guys just strike out and walk is boring. We're getting listen, more entertainment. Listen, Bill James is one of my favorites, the legendary sabermetrician. And his line, I have stolen over and over and over and use it over and over and over. What he said was, baseball is meant to be enjoyed. It serves no other purpose. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's not be grinding the stat cast data to such a degree. And look, I'm a researcher, but let's calm down a little bit. Just because we have the information doesn't we have to hit ourselves over the head with it. If you want to merely enjoy baseball, 
then the product that they are fielding right now is considerably better. And while I agree with you that the preponderance of strikeouts and walks have not necessarily helped, I don't mind there being more walks this year, which there are. Pitchers are still adjusting to the pitch clock because you know what more walks means? More walks means more base runners. You know what more base runners means? More action and more scoring. I'm here for it, man. I'm here for it. All right, and let's look at the AL East because the Athletics were taking on the Rays. They're undefeated. And if you look at the Rays and then you look at the AL East, because after this, the A's are going to Baltimore for four. The AL East, the the entirety of the division is really interesting. I'm fascinated by it. So we know that there's going to be the Staples near or at the top. It would seem very unlikely to me that the Yankees aren't going to win 90 games because they just have the infrastructure. It seems very unlikely to me also that Toronto won't get to 90 wins because they also have the infrastructure. And I think that pitching stuff is a lot better. By the way, parenthetically, back to your brain, I think Kevin Gosman has a really good chance to win the Cy Young. I've been, he might be the most impressive pitcher that I have watched so far this season, and his peripherals are excellent. But regarding the other teams in the division, I'm not, I, it's going to take me a little while to sell myself on Boston because despite my, my now uh, obsession with Masataka Yoshida, uh, Yoshida, I think there's a lot of holes in that roster, especially when it comes to the pitching staff. I think they're going to finish fifth. But the two teams you mentioned in between, the two teams you mentioned in between are fascinating. I think the Rays are really good. I mean, I think that the Rays have the chance to be the best team in that whole league. I don't know that they'll do it. But what I do know is that starting rotation, one through four, is diabolical. What I do know is that Wander Franco, if he plays 150 games, is going to give you six or seven more. What I do know is that in five of the last six years, in five of the last six years, the Tampa Bay Rays have had the best winning percentage across the minor leagues. That is unbelievable. If you're really? able to, uh, to turn over your talent like that yeah. year over year, it means you're a regenerative player development machine, and that's going to manifest at the big league level. When it comes to Baltimore, I'm obsessed with Adley Rutschman. And I'm telling you, man, it is my belief. And I'm just tangenting here, but look, you gave me the floor, so this is your problem. It is my belief that having a great catcher that can do everything is more valuable right this second than it has ever been in the history of Major League Baseball. Let's, let's, let's consider where we are. We are operating in an ecosystem in which there's still a home, a home plate umpire and not a machine that calls balls and strikes, which means that your blocking and especially your framing matters as much as it ever has before. Right now, the league is stealing bases at an 81% clip, and stolen bases are way up. If you have a catcher, if you have JT Real Muto, if you have Adley Rutschman, if you have Wilson Contreras, if you have fill-in-the-blank stud that can really throw, and, the, and that person can single-handedly suppress the running game, you have all of a sudden added enormous value to your pitching staff and to your defense because you're not playing ring around the rosy every time someone gets on first base. Oh, and by the way, Adley Rutschman can hit with his eyes closed. JT Real Muto stole 20 bases last year. We could be living in a world in which a catcher wins the MVP this year in large part because if you can control the running game now and do all the other stuff, how could you have? How could you possibly have more value? To me, the only person in baseball that could have more value than a great, a superstar catcher is Shohei Otani. He's obviously a cheat code. But look at Real Muto and look at Rutschman as two guys who, if they stay healthy, could make a real push to win MVPs of their respective leagues because catcher matters more now than it ever has in the history of the sport. And, and, and to give you a little more info on that, like a little inside baseball, mm. like comparing the old catchers to today's catcher, you're dealing with way more pitchers, which means you've got to know every single guy. You've got to know his heartbeat. You've got to know his stuff. You've got to know how he plays, what makes him comfortable when he's not comfortable, 
Ray Fossey talked to us about when they played the Dodgers in the World Series, they only used five pitchers, the A's did in the 70s. Now you're dealing with so many. And how many how many guys are coming up and down from AAA? Rays have been the king at that. So as a catcher, you got to keep knowing all the everything you just said, plus i got to handle this massive staff. These are the biggest pitching staffs we've ever seen. Yes. It's like you're asking like an elementary school teacher to, to teach every single class. Oh, I have to keep track of all of these kids. Oh, by the way, I'm teaching them math and English and science and history and fill in the blank. They're, a catcher's responsibility now across the game of baseball is incredibly vast. It's why, it's why I actually like the fact that despite the fact that I think Travis Darno is a top 10 catcher, Alex Anthopoulos said, we're going to trade for Sean Murphy too, right? Because you can't have too many good players at that position. And it's so physically demanding. And it's so mentally demanding. I think you make an absolutely great point. If you can if you can thrive in every area as a catcher right now, I think you can be the most valuable player in the whole freaking league. Now switch to the NL East. You're obviously worried about your fight and fills. Are you worried about the Mets? We're going to see the A's are going to see the Mets right after this road trip. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see Justin Verlander pitch. It sounds like it's going to be the end of April when he comes around. I would be a little bit worried if I were a Mets fan. Not a lot, but a little. And I'll tell you why. They have built their team around veterans. Now, that could work. It most definitely could work. But what it means is that your roster is expensive, and it means that you're likely more prone to injury. Max Scherzer has not pitched well in, in, in since August of last year. That's just the truth. Max Scherzer got lit up in the playoffs last year, and so far Max Scherzer has been flat as can be this season. I mean, people are spitting on his fastball. Every single home run. He, he had three home runs in Milwaukee uh, a couple days ago, all of them on off-speed pitches, and back to back to back at bats. Right now he's 11 and gopher balls. Carlos Carrasco, he's 36 years old. He's their number three starter. His stuff is really flat. His velocity was way down. Thir- like three, 60%. Verlander, Scherzer, and Carrasco, 60% of that starting rotation, those guys are collecting Social Security. Now, they might be great. They might be great. And, and, and in a perfect world, their championship run would look something like 0-1 in Arizona with Schilling and Johnson shoving every other night, right? It's not obvious to me that's a thing in baseball anymore. And while I think they can still play, they can still go. They don't have a big bopper in that lineup aside from Pete Alonso, so they're not going to out-homer you. Their bullpen is obviously deficient now without Edwin Diaz, who's not going to throw a single pitch for them this season. I think the Braves are the runaway favorite in that division, to be honest with you. I think the Braves are going to win that division and do so in a landslide. And your fills? The Phillies I'm already worried about naturally, but I'm going to do the best I can to separate my emotion from the objective half of my brain, right? The, the, the half of my brain that got me on Good Morning America today. So, so here's, <laughs> here's the problem with the Phillies. Why did I just say that? That was a ridiculous thing to say. So here's my problem with the Phillies. You're like They're this guy hit- right here. Look at me. I was on Good Morning America today. Not cable TV, baby. I wasn't starring on cable. I was starring on network television. That's right. No, no, but there's no show better than Ace Cast Live. So I'll, I'll leave you with this. The Phillies are going to be okay because the Phillies lineup is going to score runs and Bryce Harper is going to come back way sooner than anyone realizes. The Phillies starting rotation is going to be just fine too because Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler are two of the 10 best starting pitchers on the planet when they're right. And I think Tywin Walker and Ranger Suarez are going to do a nice job at filling out the three and four spots in that rotation. It's just been a bumpy ride so far. But here is my problem with the Phillies. I was promised by all my brethren that this is going to be the best bullpen they've had since 2011. And I looked at at the, the, the roster and I said to myself, how in the world are you convincing yourself of that? All right, our closer is Sir Anthony Dominguez, who has never put a full season together. They traded way too much for Gregory Soto, who walks batters for fun, like it's a hobby of his. Craig Kimbrell hasn't found the same release point in literally five years, and those were their two big offseason acquisitions of the bullpen. So I have, the Phillies' bullpen has inherited 15 base runners this season, and 12 of them have scored. It's like, <laughs> what exactly are we doing here? Like, that's not the ratio we want. 42% of guys that have faced the Phillies' bullpen have reached base. 
That is absolutely ridiculous. So, again, we're talking about a week of sample size, and I'm not going to freak out about it, but the bullpen is like special teams in football. It's the reason you can win or lose games. And over the course of a 162-game season, it could be the reason that you fail to realize your full potential. The book has got your number. It is fantastic. You go right now to Amazon, $20 for the hardcover, $13 for the Kindle. It will come to you right away. I just got to tell you, we're going to pump this book for you, my friend, and I'm so proud of you. We've watched your career grow. We've watched your family grow, and life is good for the man they call Himbo. You're a good man. You were uh, on to me way before everyone else uh, is and was, and I will tell you, that is something that I will never forget for as long as I live. So I appreciate the platform. I appreciate the opportunity. I hope we get to do this again sometime really soon, my friend. I'm the Scott Boris of talent. When it comes to talking baseball. <laughs> You're a good man. Great stuff, buddy. Have a good weekend. Bye. Paul Hembikides, the book, Got Your Number. ESPN personality and New York Times bestselling author Mike Greenberg partners with mega producer Himbo to settle once and for all which legends flat out own which numbers. In short essays, certain to provoke debate between and amongst all generations. Greeny uses his lifetime of sports knowledge to spin yarns of the legends among the legends and tell you why some have claimed their spot in the top 100 of all time. Got your number. The greatest sports legends and the numbers they own. Boom. Get the book. I'm looking at it right now on Amazon. Let me tell you something about that guy. That guy is supremely talented. He has risen from, and he's still very young, he has risen from a researcher to an on-air talent to now an author to where I know their show Get Up on ESPN that he's on with Mike Greenberg. What time is it on? It's like I got no shot at watching it. I think it starts at not. Our time? No, I was going to say 6 our time. So like yeah, it's like 6 a.m. So unless, like you're, that. unless you're a morning, you're getting up and you're super early. But the, obviously it does very well on the East Coast, probably people in the Midwest. But on that show, once again, he's the guy that's getting all the numbers for Monday Night Football, Sunday Night Baseball, all of it. And we know that. Because he's told us, but we, we really found that out because Buster Olney, who's on Sunday Night Baseball, goes, all our stuff's from Hembo. Hembo gets us all our stuff. That's, I have a cold, so that's a very bad Buster Olney impersonation. <laughs> Your term is still the best. I talked to Hembo. Um, but, yeah, he is – the fact that we get him, and, yeah, we found him by listening to Buster Olney's podcast, Baseball Tonight, and realized, man, this guy is good. we got to have him on the show and we've been having him on for years. And if people have been said, like, God, you bring this guy Himbo on, who's Himbo? He is a star at ESPN. And now is gonna they're gonna have a best selling book, a New York Times bestseller. Uh, on on Good Morning America on from Good Morning America to A's Cast Live. That's when you know you've made it. Coming up next, what do we have next? Is Joyce next? Yeah, Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce, former A, who has now turned Basically, TV radio personality will join us right here on A's Cast Live.
This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Yeah, of course, the Athletics are going to be down in Florida taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. Our next guest, you remember him back in the day playing for the Oakland Athletics. He now does television for the Tampa Bay Rays. Matt Joyce with us once again. Man, it's been, I think 2018 was the last time I did an interview with you. 2018, yeah, it flies. Time flies when you're having fun, I guess. Well, it's been a little. It's it's been a minute since I've been there. It, it, it's great to see you. How are things down there in St. Pete? Yeah, it's getting hotter. I'll tell you that, it's definitely getting hotter. The Rays have been hot, and then the, the weather's uh, getting hotter with the team. So uh, they've been fun to watch this this first week uh, of the season, and uh, you know it's. Honestly, it's kind of hard not being out there, especially with the new rules and the shift being regulated, especially as a lefty pull hitter. So, but, uh, but no, we're having fun so far. Yeah. I mean, you think about it, you played in an era where we started to see games start to take forever. Now it's three plus hours. We're seeing three thirty. we're seeing all the shifting. So now that you're seeing it, obviously you're doing TV now, but as you mentioned, you would love to play in this game. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I mean, from a fan standpoint, I could tell you I like the pace uh, and I like the adjustments that they're making a lot better. Uh, it just seems like there's a better flow to the game. And there were so many times as a player and you're standing in the outfield and you're like, uh, come on, get in the box or, uh, man, throw the ball already, right? And, uh, and so I don't know if it's necessarily perfect, right? Like there's times where I was just speaking with uh, Liriano before the game and he's like, he feels a little rushed. He feels like it's a little bit too fast. Like he got jammed on a ball and his hand is still ringing and he's got to get in the box still to, to face, you know, to face this guy when his hand is still blown up and, and he, you know, he can barely hold the bat uh, and you only get one time out. And so again, I don't think it's perfect, but I think it's definitely a step in the right, the right direction for the game. You remember those epic long games you guys would have against the Yankees or the Red Sox back in the day, they'd take forever. Yeah, I think we had uh, we had a pretty good track record against the Yankees, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. I remember uh, one uh, one series we we swept them four four straight right around uh, July fourth. And uh, man, I tell you what, it was it was a fun series. You know, when when I think about this current team, uh, you know, we've been watching them for years, and we've always said, and I remember talking to you about this back in the day, how the A's and the Rays are so similar on how you do things on the field and the issues that they have off the field with trying to get a new ballpark. So when you yeah. when you look at this success to start the season, I know it's early and everybody says it's early, but my God, how would you not want to start like this? Yeah, no, you're spot on. Um, and I played for both teams, played for both organizations and how they how they build their teams, um, how they operate. Um, you know, obviously they're, they're both very analytical and, and trying to crunch the numbers and build from within and trade the players that just get a little bit too expensive for some top prospects to obviously help them develop and uh, really kind of, um, you know, lean on their younger guys. And, and 
I, you know, I mean, it's hard to argue with success, right? The Rays have had a lot of success doing it. Obviously, the A's have, have had their, their good years. Um, and so, again, if you don't have a massive uh, market and a massive budget, you know, this is how you have to operate. So both teams have, have done a great job doing that. I would love to see both of these teams, you know, have a, a new home um, that, you know, guys are really excited about. Because I can tell you, playing in Oakland and, and – the, it was more so the facilities. They were just old. They were outdated, right? Like sometimes you would hear horror stories about the toilets backing up and just little things like that where you're like, man, like, you know, you're supposed to be in the big leagues. You want to feel like you're you're playing in the big leagues, not that, not that you're playing in, uh, you know, single A baseball. Like you go through those ranks and you feel like you earn the right to be at the big league level and to be treated, you know, uh, at the top, at the top. So, um, again, even from a Rays standpoint, uh, as a fan growing up in Tampa, you know, I would love to see them have a new stadium that um, would be over in Tampa, preferably. But again, it's it's sometimes it's really challenging to find the right fit. Right. And there's a lot of things that go into uh, making something something like that happen. So, uh, again, you know, it's, it's going to be fun, fun little series to watch and, and uh, looking forward to it. I don't know what team to root for here, though. So <laughs> kind of pull, pulled in two different ways. Well, yeah, you're obviously – I mean, I know they're just doing a list. They got you down as one of the uh, all-time great Rays. So it's going to be okay if you're pulling for the Rays. What a career you had with them. And when I think about this Rays team, you know, we always t- talk so much about how creative the Rays are going to be, especially with their pitching. But right now with this starting staff – you tell that opener to stay down in the bullpen. You've got such a starting staff right there, right there, right now. It's impressive. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, they're this is obviously what they build around. They build around their starting pitching, and obviously, uh, and these guys in the back end. It's and they count and rely on them to really uh, slam the door shut, right? So obviously, they miss uh, Glass now. He's out with a side injury. Um, but they obviously, you know, have enough depth to, for these guys to fill in and, and, and do the job, um, you know, to keep them in the game and, and give them another uh, really good shot at winning a ball game. So uh, I feel like ever since I played there, the, the, the pitching was always the, the, the highlight. It was always the star where it was like, man, you know, we got these guys, but look at these guys coming, you know. And so, um, again, the Rays have done a phenomenal job of really building – uh, from within and getting these top prospects through big trades and uh, been fun to watch them develop. When you look at Wander out there as such a young kid, just talk about how special he is, how he truly is a future star in our game. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I was really surprised. Um, you know, I was still playing and you, and when you're playing, you're kind of focused on your own thing and doing your own thing. And then you kind of hear of, of Wander Franco and this guy is 19, 20 years old and, and they signed him to a big contract. And I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of money for the Rays, right? They, you don't you don't see that too often. And and when you see him uh, not only take batting practice, but you see him throughout the game, you can tell that that his skills are, are at a different level. And, and what I mean by that, his, his hand-eye coordination, his ability to put the bat on the ball consistently is off the charts. It's really off the charts. And, and I told somebody uh, the other day, I was like, this guy can win a batting title. Like his, wow. his, his hand-eye coordination is that good. His ability to, to, to his balance, when you look at his swing, you look at his, his um, getting to that, that consistent launch position over and over in the same position. He's not lunging. He's not rushed. He's not, you know, he puts himself in really good hitting positions and it allows his hands to work really well. His hands work really well. 
And, uh, and so, you know, one of the things for me, it was like, I, I still think he has more power that he's going to grow into. And I think he's doing a good job of, of doing it this year. He's using his legs a little bit more to drive the ball. Um, but again, his, his hands are off the charts. That's what makes him really special. When you start looking at the AL East, everybody's good now. You know, Baltimore's not a slouch that everybody's going to beat up on 19 times. How do you handicap this division, what we've seen so far and what you expected going into the year? Yeah, um, well, Baltimore's got some young talent. I, th- I think they still have some developing to do. Uh, but, I, again, it's it's really the powerhouses. You know, it's the guys like the Yankees. I mean, honestly, the Blue Jays are, are going to be a team that is going to surprise a lot of people. Although, if you watch baseball and you've seen who they have, like, they're not going to surprise you because they are stacked uh, with guys like Bichette and, and uh, Guerrero and, and uh, Chapman. Obviously, you guys, you know, I mean, I, I know the A's would have loved to kept, keep him, but – um, you know, he's a real special talent uh, over at third base. So they're, they're, they're stacked, but I think those are the two teams that the Rays are, are kind of eyeing uh, to keep an eye on where it's like, all right, this is who our, our real competition is, is going to be. And again, you know, for me, it was always head down, take care of our own business. As long as you take care of your own business, everything else will work out and take care of itself. So as a player, you know, I don't think they're looking at other teams worrying about them. I think they're trying to handle their own business and, and win here uh, today and obviously this series. Um, but in the division-wise, as a fan, as, as an analyst, I, I would say those two teams really stick out in, in this division. Well, not only the Rays have been winning, but they've been winning by four runs or more. I mean, you start out the gate, beat people by four runs or more, six straight, that's saying something about your offense. Yeah, I think that was a big concern going into this year. You know, these guys uh, you know, had a big question mark in the playoffs. Uh, they, you know, didn't really score a lot of runs. And then everyone's like, all right, well, they got to go out and get a big left-handed bat to, to help them with their offense. And, uh, and when they didn't do that, obviously, I think that caused a lot of concern, a lot of question marks. Uh, you know, people were, were questioning a lot of the, the moves that they made. Obviously, their big move was signing Eflin. And, um, and obviously, man, they're firing on all, all cylinders. They have some guys, some young guys, and, and Luke Raley and, and Josh Lowe, who uh, – have provided that left-handed pop so far this, this first week of the season. And so I, I think, um, you know, especially Rayleigh, really made some really nice adjustments in his mechanics and cleaned up some stuff. He had a great spring training and is really carrying it well into the regular season um, and, and came up with some, some big homers there uh, last series against the Nationals. So, um, again, it, it, it's really nice when you're a hitter and you can rely – you don't, you don't have so much pressure that you are the one doing all the work, you, that all the pressure's on you to provide the power, right? Like these guys have like eight different guys that have hit homers, you know, this season. So when, when you're able to do that, you're able to relax a little bit and say, all right, let me just do what I can. Let me do my job. Let me get a good pitch hit. Let me square something up. I don't have to go and hit a home run. You know, I don't have to go hit 30, 40 home runs to really carry this team. So, uh, again, you know, that's really nice for guys like Wander. It's nice for guys like Randy who are in the middle of the order and obviously they have the bigger expectations, um, but to be able to relax and, and be comfortable and, and go to work, uh, I think it, it helps uh, throughout the lineup. Let's end on this. You, you lost somebody in the Rays family and Dave Wills was so good to us here on A's cast live always joined us whether like this from the trop or he would come down. We do the show on the field in Oakland. Uh, he was a friend of our program 
Uh, it was just so sad when we heard the news, and I know it's got to be very tough for everybody there with the Rays family. Yeah, it's heartbreaking, man. It's really heartbreaking, and you know, for all of us, we we never really know, you know, when when it's your last day, and you try to make the most of it. But Dave was, uh, he was a he was a pleasure to be around. Um, you know, his energy and and his attitude was really infectious, and um, and obviously, you know, to your point, man, in the Rays family, um, you know, there's there's a little hole there that, you know, you can't really fill, um, and and he's he's missed, he's missed every day, and and. Uh, he was a big part of the organization and, and obviously you, you really appreciate people that uh, enjoy their work and obviously have that kind of impact on the people around them. So he's, he's missed a lot. Well, I just had to say it, it, it's good to see it. it. It's been a while. We're happy for your success there doing the TV in Tampa and let's do this again uh, this season. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. You Sign be well. Up. <laughs> okay. Right. Sounds good. Uh, I'm going to go do some pre and post. So, uh, <laughs> We'll see how it goes. Take care. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me. Talk to you. Matt Joyce, former athletic. And recently by the Tampa Bay Times was, I think, said they're all time. They, they did an all-time raise team now that they're a little bit older. 25th anniversary of the team. And they year. did They made him the all-time right fielder for all-time raise team. Let me, let me get the tweet. I sent, I sent, sent you the me. tweet. I was going to pull it up on. And they said, no offense. So they went, no offense to the Hall of Famers, Wade Boggs, Fred McGriff, my guy, Jose Canseco. Where is Jose? Right here. Jose's right here. Um, <laughs> so here you go. They went all-time race, guys, That because uh, remember they flooded Vinny Castillo, right? Vinny Castillo, Boggs, McGriff. Oh, Greg Vaughn showed up late. Castillo or Castilla? Vinny Castilla. You're doing with the former Rocky, right? Former Rocky, the That's, third I baseman. Thought, I thought it was Castilla. Vinny Castilla? Yeah. Vinny Either way, Castilla. the power-hitting third baseman. Well, did he say Franco or Franco? Franco. Isn't it Franco? I, I, I. He does their television. He said Franco. You say Franco. Uh, Hembo said for, uh, Franco, too. Let's see. Baseball reference has it listed as Franco. Like, Wander Franco. Well, two people <laughs> just said Franco. Two television people. And every single time I say it, and you you like, it's Franco, it's Franco, it's Franco. You flip out on me like Guardians Indians. Yeah. Well, okay, here's the team from Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, catcher, I, the last name's Hall. It's escaping me. Who was who was a Hall that played for the race? When? Uh, it just says Hall, catcher. Uh, our, our good friend, uh, Platica, uh, Carlos Pena, first base, former A. I'm going to assume Friend of the program from MLB Network. I'm going to assume second base isn't the great Josh Lowe, who has a loving game hitting streak, but it's Brandon Lau, wow. who's the second baseman. Third, shortstop. But if you're going to home improvements, you go to Lowe's, uh, not Lau's. Julio Lugo at short. Evan Longoria. Wander will have that very yeah, soon. Yeah. Yes. Sorry, Wander's not on there. Uh, third is Longo, Evan Longoria. Oh, no doubt. Left field, Carl Crawford. I remember him as a Red Sox. Was a great Ray. I know he was. Center field, no shock here, Kevin Kiermeyer. Right field, Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce. DH, I'm going to assume that's BJ Upton, Melvin. Uh, what is the his name? The Melvin, but BJ Upton, Melvin Upton. And utility, former A, Ben Zobrist. So there you go. Got to tell you, Matt Joyce, has, he definitely had some good years there. He was an all-star in 2011, I think, right? 2011, I mean, but he had 
years of eight plus OPS with them one, two, three, four times. All time right fielder. Then he came to the A's. He had some home runs, but really struggled his second year where he hit 208. He was hurt. Uh, OPS is 675, and it was uh, off to Atlanta after that. But uh, good to see that he's doing well. And yeah, he's a uh, Tampa boy. And that's the whole thing. So picture Oakland connected to another city, but the city was bigger. And a bridge connected you. That's Tampa and St. Petersburg. And it's really hard to get with traffic and stuff from Tampa to St. Petersburg. That hurts their attendance. Tampa, obviously, the home of an NFL team, a hockey team. They do well in attendance. And everybody feels like that team should be over in Tampa. There's the dilemma. Now, they had a press conference with the St. Pete mayor and talked about redoing the whole Tropicana, which is in St. Petersburg, right on the water. And everybody saw that press conference and went, huh, problem solved. Problem solved. They're getting a new ballpark. And the reality is that was just a press conference saying, hey, let's start talking with the mayor. And we told you they're so far behind you. And now the commissioner of baseball came out on high heat. Do I you still it. have that? I have it, yep. Where he talks about the owner is looking at multiple places to play. Where does this all sound familiar? Hi, Tampa. Are you a proponent? Now, people think you got to put the ballpark in Tampa for it to be successful. They want to put it right where the trap is and sort of build around it. Are you a proponent of that? What's your take on that? Well, I, I think... Mr. Sternberg's latest comments made clear that he's pursuing alternatives, continues to pursue alternatives on both sides, meaning Tampa and St. Petersburg. Um, I have every confidence that um, he's going to select a site and make a deal in the best location um, for that franchise over the long haul. All right. So we're not necessarily then endorsing the one in St. Pete. Not yet. Is that the point? Yeah. I mean, first of all, it's not my decision at the end of the day it really is Stu Sternberg's decision it's the Rays decision but um I, I he did make clear he's continuing to pursue alternatives on both sides and um again uh that's a situation that needs to be resolved in the relatively short term wait a minute wait a minute wait a Don Canas minute from Clorox you mean they had a press conference and everybody was singing Kumbaya at a press conference? Uh, Floyd Kephart moment here? And that's not guaranteed that that reimagining, wherever heard that word, reimagining Tropicana, whatever the hell it's called, area, that that's not going to happen now? Because I heard... From multiple, that's where it's like, you know what? We don't have the biggest show. We don't. We're not national, even though that you know people can watch us all over the place. But the information you get here is, to me, different than a lot of places. And a lot has to do with you. A lot has to do with me. And we research our stuff. They, We told you 
this Tampa thing's a joke. This press conference a joke. But MLB Network, even Sirius XM MLB Channel, they were all talking like, ah, things are solved. It's great. Everything's great. I heard our two GMs on the uh, our Sunday show, which is so good. Uh, what what a Jim Squared as Dallas calls it. Jim Squared as Dallas <laughs> Braden calls it. What the uh, what do they call it? Isn't it the GM show? The GM hour or the front the, office? The front office show. There the you front go. office show. Really original name. Yeah, Jim Bowden, who should know better, former GM of two different teams. Jim Bowden's like, oh well, now that Tampa, it's just Oakland's got to get their act together. You're like, Jim, you're better than. You guys are all better than this. Just because you have a, oh boy. Here's breaking news from the Masters, the biggest event going on right now. What happened? They suspended again because of rain? Trees have fallen, the weather is so bad. Um, Luckily, no one's been hurt, but when you got thousands of people on the property and trees are coming down. That's not good. That is scary business. Kepka still leading? Yes. But that is scary. Um, but yeah, it's crazy. It's it's literally crazy that people who are who are insiders in the know were all buying that this Tampa thing was done. And what was that sound that we played from you from the press conference? Oh, have it. You want to play it again? Where they got yeah, yeah, play race president where Brian we, Alt. We we laughed at this, all right? This show, we laughed at this. Go. I'm really looking forward to, for the first time since the RFP was issued, being able to sit down with the mayor and talk about how he wants this to go forward, where we're going to go, how we're going to get there, and in what order. Um, Because there's arguments to be made for any number of steps along the way. You know, we know we need a financing plan for the ballpark. We know we need a city council approval of a development agreement. Um, We know we're going to need some county support. And so each of those steps can be taken... um, in order, and uh, and I think we work on them all at the same time. Um, but what I think you saw today was overwhelming community support for oh. a really great vision for this city and oh. this baseball club, and vision. that's exciting. Community support and vision. As you always say, everyone seems to be so stoked. Oh, <laughs> we're so stoked about the pitching matchup today. Um, they got nothing, and we played that over and over going, this is nothing. They're going to now meet the mayor and see what his vision is. City council, nothing. They don't have, they don't even have drawings, let alone environmental report. We call those renderings, right? Isn't what we call them? The, the renderings. Fancy term, fancy term is renderings. They have no business plan. How's it going to get paid for? They got nothing. They had a press conference, and everybody in baseball said, huh, it's fixed. It's fixed. And we went, uh, yeah, that's not how it works. They're so far behind us. It's 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 crazy. It's crazy. And then the commissioner comes on MLB now MLB network and goes, "Yeah, um, we're gonna support whatever the owner does." And he's looking in multiple places. Where have we heard that before? Parallel pass. Correct. Lock. I mean, it is hard to build. Should be a lot easier to build in Florida than yeah. California. But, yeah, people were kidding themselves when they said that everything was fine in Tampa. Guess what? It's not. It's not even close. They got nothing. They literally have nothing. But they had a press conference. Just like back in the day, Don Canas of Clorox wants to save Oakland sports. 
Has anybody heard from Don Canas and Clorox in years? Anybody? Remember how people around around us used to get fake? They, they got duped. Duped by press conferences. Press conferences mean absolutely nothing. But they look good. Why? Because the cameras show up. And then the local news will do a little quick hit. Hey, over here they had a they had a thing today, and then we'll run it on shows like this. Press conferences mean absolutely nothing, and the Rays are so far behind. I was actually there with the A's at the Trop when that whole thing about Montreal came out, playing half the season I in Canada, that. and they people at the Trop were just shaking their head, going, "This is never going to happen. This is a joke." It's just insane how you have to figure out the logistics of that. Well, and and it just you you've got a problem because you want to expand. You want to expand to thirty-two teams, and they have their one team. That one team is Nashville and Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart's group. I was just with Dave on Wednesday at NBC. Dave's Dave's group's ready to rock. When that time comes, Dave Stewart is ready to answer the bell. I mean, a lot will come out. I mean, the city council for Oakland rejected Dave Stewart. It's fact. Stu wanted to purchase Oakland's part of the Coliseum. They said no. And they gave it to the African-American Sports Entertainment Group. And Stu's off to, to, to Nashville. Probably the best thing for him. But these things are so far. I mean, if you think... You think of where we are, right, with the whole parallel passing, where Tampa is, St. Petersburg. Man, they've got nothing right now. They, they, they. At that point, they still even haven't had a a, a a meeting with the mayor about vision. Vision. What's the vision? Yeah, they're they've always been behind. Now everyone's getting excited, like you said, or why I brought up that everyone in Tampa's St. Petersburg area is stoked. That they had a that they had a meeting. They got a long way to go. Great baseball team, but a long way to go at the stadium. And that's why, like, it's. I mean, I guess it's like we always, when you talk about the Rays and the A's, they always get tied together because of the stadiums. And hopefully, we have some kind of solution soon. Soon, um, something to talk about. The first week of the season, new rules. How's it working? Well. There is a, a terrific article. You guys can all read it. Uh, our buddy Mike Petriello from MLB.com. Matt might be good to have him on soon. Uh, where he did the first key takeaways of, this, uh, of the 2023 season. And the number one takeaway is Babbitt, batting average ball put in play. So basically taking strikeouts, home runs, out of the equation – and having a batting average when the ball is in play. And it's up. It's up in baseball by 14 points, or 12 points. Overall baseball, 12 points. What's interesting is that we we thought no shifting would automatically really dramatic dramatically affect left-handed hitters, but that's not the case. It's actually, well, it has affected left-handed hitters. But it's affected right-handed hitters more. Right-handed hitters, batting average balls put in play, is up 14 points. First week last year, 
to this year with no shifting. Looking, How about that? I'm looking at the leaderboard right now, and uh, here's here's some of the guys in the top four that are leading the leaderboard. Brian Anderson of the Brewers, he's hitting 500 this year, right-handed hitter. Matt Chapman hitting 481, right-handed hitter. This is just batting average, right? Yeah, just batting average, yeah. Adam Duvall, right-handed hitter, hitting 458. Paul Goldschmidt, right-handed hitter, hitting 450. I think Luis – is Luis Arise a switch hitter? Yeah. Yeah. He's hitting 444. Johan Mankata hitting 444. Then Brian Reynolds, also a switch hitter, hitting 444. So it's good to see these numbers going up. I know who would have thought it would be – we were all expecting. I mean, everything's up, right? Stolen bases are up. Balls in play are up. Singles are up. Everything's up. Who would have thought it was right-handers out of the gate that would have the biggest benefit? But shouldn't be surprised too much because the last two years is when everybody started shifting on righties too. It originally was just all on lefties, right? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they started shifting on everybody, and then they just started shifting to shift. Because even like guys that we watch play every day, you're like, why are you shifting on this guy? They were just shifting to shift. Like the the guys I mentioned in the leaderboard for batting average, here's their bapits. Uh Brian Anderson, four five forty five. Matt Chapman, five ninety one. Uh Adam Duvall, four seventy one. Paul Goldschmidt, five hundred. Yoan Moncada, five eighty eight. Nolan Gorman of the Cardinals, six twenty five. That's pretty good. Now where are the lefties seeing the big increase though? Lefties are seeing the big increase without without the shift. Himbo talked about it a little bit. Um well, singles, right? Line drives, baby. As launch angle has changed a little bit, as not everybody's just trying to lift it out of the ballpark, lefty line drives Babbitt is up a lot. In last year's first week, lefty liners led to a 607 batting average ball put in play. 607. I know you're not a math major. But the first week with no shift, line drives for lefties has gone from 607 last year to 656. That's almost 50 points. Uh, my my now my school's called Penn West University uh math would say that that's pretty good. That's really <laughs> a change. That's unbelievable. That really is unbelievable. So you're just starting to see in the first week the massive changes. And we talked about for left-handed hitters how it just frees you up. You now are not – you're not stepping in the box looking over there and, like, the whole field is tilted. That's what it had to look like. The field had tilted. Everybody's moved over. I got to the big leagues because I can rip the baseball, not because I hit ground balls to the left side – I got to the big leagues because I hit home runs and I pull the ball and I rip it. That's why how I got here. And now I, I'm standing up to the plate and everybody's to the right side. Well, that's not the case anymore. I wonder just and that and that's something that we can talk to hitters about as we get later in the season, just from your eyes. How does the field look to you now? Bless you. Thank you. How like how does it look? How does it feel? I equate it to golf versus you stand up on a tee box and it's just tree-lined fairway and it looks like this versus a place that doesn't have trees and you have a big, wide-open fairway. Obviously, you feel like I could just grip it and rip it. 
no trees, and I can just let it go. Thank you, Bryson DeChambeau. There you go. <laughs> go live tour players at the Masters. Brooks Kepka. Um, that's just that you know the game's changed, and like like Hembo said, and like we have said, games change, but but you're still getting the same baseball game. We haven't taken innings away. We haven't taken outs away. And I I would say this, too, because it's always like they're taking the outlier. You know, the moment of Eck and Gibson, it's an outlier. Doesn't happen all the time. Otani, Trout. The other one they've been using is Harper and Suarez last year in the postseason. All right, those are outliers. But I'm going to say this. All the moments that you have seen that are far bigger from a standpoint of popularity Super Bowl moments are the biggest moments in sports. Can you really argue against that? No. They're the most seen, most played, most replayed. It's just, it's the Super Bowl. All those moments were controlled by time. All those great Super Bowl moments had to be done by a certain amount of time. We're now all celebrating Jordan again. You know, during COVID, we did... uh, the Last Dance. Now the movie Air is coming out. If you haven't heard, today is the 29th. 29th anniversary of when Michael Jordan played in an exhibition game at Wrigley Field against the White Sox and went two for five. Well, all of Michael Jordan's greatness all happened under time. A timed game. You had to get the ball off. You had to. This wasn't, this wasn't the old school four corners Dean Smith and run out the clock. No, you got you got a, you got a shot clock. So I it just to me by the end of this season, even the old guys I think we we won't we won't we'll go through a world series, we will get through it all and I, it's going to be hard for someone to be really going this is bad for the game. cuz I already know and I'll ask you I know people who have already said, yeah, can I use your tickets during the week? I'll now go because of time. Uh, I have a lot of people ask. They haven't said about the time, but they just want to go because the game's more exciting. For for people I know, it's like I'm not going to be there for three hours and 30 minutes or knowing that I'm going to go there and have to leave early. Yeah, I heard Matt on the postgame show the other day uh, talk about how he came down from Sacramento and he was able to go and be home. He was going to be home at like 1030. Yeah, I was I was listening the other day. Eight three three six two five two two seven eight. Robert Costa standing by. If you have, if you want to talk, if you want to just talk to Robert Costa right now, yeah, he's standing <laughs> by. Sass Robert, how he's doing? Ace, yeah, Ace that, Total that, Access coming up. That soon. was a caller from Sacramento saying, "Where where does he say he was? He in he was he in Elk Grove? No, he was in uh, what city was Davis? He was in Davis. He, and, uh, he was going. He, he was, was going through Davis to get to Sacramento. Yeah, yeah but I can't remember where he, he wouldn't go through Davis to go to Elk Grove." Uh, where I can't remember. Roseville. Where I don't, I don't That's know. one of them up there. Uh, I don't know. El Dorado Hills. Uh, I've only been up there a couple times, but that all sounds. The avenues downtown of Sacramento. I've had some good times in Sac. Warrior. I think Warriors Kings played tonight. By the way, for oh, that's basketball. a big game. It could be a playoff series. That'd be great. It's the first time. They've both been good, right? Someone had the status. Uh, I wouldn't say the Warriors are what we're saying is good. They're a couple games. They're four games over. But yeah, it's like the first time in a long time. They're they. I think it might be the first time ever. Ever. They've never been yeah. good at the same time. They that they both have been this good like 
60 plus games into a season. Pretty remarkable. Oh, the Warriors go up there and rip their hearts out. No, no, no. Uh huh. The Warriors go up there, rip their hearts out. No light the beam tonight. Light the beam. My Kings are taking them down. <coughs> That's right. They are my Kings. It's, ridi- a- it's ridiculous. You're from. You're from outside Pittsburgh. You have nothing to do with the city of Sacramento. <laughs> you have no reason at all to be a Sacramento Kings fan. That- Zero zip. Nada. Didn't have a basketball team growing up. Doesn't matter. So Doesn't I- matter. You have no reason to be an East Coast guy and all of a sudden start claiming Kings when they're winning. My Kings. That's Third ridiculous. Seed. That is like the biggest front-running move. I mean. Oh, you mean like all, the, all these Warrior fans all of a sudden came out of there? They've all, they've all been here? Oh, uh, you, you know what they went through? Yeah, I do. Yeah, you, you know what it was like with the Pirates losing. Warrior fans went through as much as – Warrior fans sh- – Respect all Warrior fans for what they went through. I know I, they I, have all the right to bust their gear out and love because of everything that they went through. Yeah, they had Bobby Sura, Todd Fuller. I mean, do we have to go through the bad draft picks? The great <laughs> Florida State Seminole, Bobby Sura. Larry Hughes was a big deal. Oh, well, I remember when Larry Hughes was <laughs> traded, and boy, that was a big deal. Oh my God, Bobby Rowell was the president. Oh my God, who was the owner back then? Was it Chris Cohan? Chris Cohan. It was a mess. Saint. Same How about when there. Spree was choking Carlissimo, and next thing you know, the White House got involved? <laughs> you know what Warrior fans have been through? That was uh, that And was... now all of a sudden you're some Sacramento Kings fan? That makes me want to puke. That was 16 years of not being in the playoffs. And... You don't even know Peja. You don't even know Chris Webber. Peja's son's going to Stanford. You have even <laughs> no idea about Mike Bibby. Basketball coach? He's how big he is you now, had by the way. No... Wait, he's blown up? No, he's huge. Like, like, like muscle-wise. Oh, he went from being a scrawny point guard to being like a – let me see if I can find a picture of Mike Bibby. Mike, who's he coaching? I think it's – is it high school basketball? So, he's not hes not fat. He's gotten big. He's, he's just gotten, like, buff. Good for him. Mike Bibby, national champion at the University of Arizona. Oh, he's all swole. Yeah, look at him. Wow. Didn't, didn't expect to hear that today. Uh, there he is. Yeah, Mike Bibby's been hitting the gym. Good for him. Age has age has been kind of kind to of. me. He, he's aged kind of well. C Webb, C Webb was a great player. He's in a he does games on TNT now. Yeah, I didn't think I'd ever see him. You know, well, I got a lot of times like really good players go to do analyst work, but he's done a nice job. How did we even get into this basketball talk? Oh, uh, I don't remember. Warriors. Oh, which because Matt came from Sacramento. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So full circle, Matt made it home. Well, to I Sacramento. told you on, on opening day, I'm doing the I'm doing the post game show. And we're more than halfway through, and it's 1030, and I'm like, my God, do you know how many postgame shows I start at 1030? Start. And this guy's almost all the way home. Unbelievable. <laughs> I know. My wife calling me. My wife's calling me. I was hey. waiting for you to answer it. It just drives me nuts. <laughs> what time are we going till today? About 2.55, so we got 15 more minutes. Okay. Ace total access at 3. Right, three forty, yeah, three o'clock. Ace total access. Yeah, the other thing um, uh, that we kind of mentioned, but this is still just a truism, and was, and it's just how it works. I mean, still hitting home runs. Home runs are like the deep touchdown. Home runs are like three pointers. Teams out homering their opponent in twenty twenty three are fifty five and fourteen. Is that almost like a captain obvious? Yeah. 
Because um, it's a swing of the bat and it's a run. Yes, and it could, if there's guys on, it could be multiple runs with a swing of the bat. I believe yeah, home runs are good, but the problem is when that's all you do, it comes back to haunt you. I think the Rays actually, I think I have it on here, the Rays lead baseball in home runs. The Rays have, they lead, they have the most home runs in the American League with 13. Luke Rayleigh is tied for the AL lead with three. And you're going to go, who's Luke Rayleigh? Well, he was DFA and he has three home runs. Tied with Joey Gallo. He was he was a guy that was out of options. options. Yeah, he was Christian Pache. They had to keep him on the roster. They'd lose him. I think Rayleigh's like twenty twenty seven. By the way, twenty twenty three twenty eight twenty twenty three home run differentials. Dodgers plus twelve. Oh, I remember that Dodger lineup wasn't going to hit. Yeah, the, that was in, that was in Petro's article, I think. Maybe about the Dodgers article or Dodgers lineup, and maybe we maybe people are panicking a little, little too soon, a little, little overblown, a little too premature. Uh, they're they're not going to be good anymore. Miguel Vargas has nine walks and eighteen plate appearances. So Dodgers are plus twelve, Rays are plus eleven. So leading the National League and the American League. But yeah, you out homer your opponent, you're winning at a seven ninety seven clip to start the season, fifty five and fourteen home runs. Still king. The thing about the race, too, because we talked about how they lead, they also have the most runs scored and the least amount of strikeouts for hitters, and they also have the third-best batting average. That's kind of odd because they've always been a high-strikeout team. Yeah, I've looked it up. They have the least amount of strikeouts in the American League. Look at the Rays. The Rays are not bullpenning. They're not striking out. When did the Rays become a traditional baseball team built on starting pitching? Yeah, making contact, and their starting pitching has been great. Eflin, Glass now's hurt again, and, but you have Eflin, Rasmussen, Jeffrey Springs is pitching tomorrow, and why am I blanking on their other starter that's that's been really good? Um, Did you mention Springs? It's Eflin, yeah, Springs, Springs, Rasmussen, Rasmussen, and the guy pitched the other day. Well, look it up. Uh, speaking of Eflin, this is something that the Rays are are known for, kind of the Astros too is how they change you. Like, they bring you in and go, you know, we've been watching you, and, Cody, we think you're good at this, but we think you can be a lot better by changing. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 I, I, was, I, I was reading I about know, I know you're going to be – just get it out oh, there. Oh, McClanahan. Okay. He's pretty good. So, he's up the usage of secondary pitch – so not surprising, Rays have completely altered his pitch usage. Usage of secondary pitch while he dropped his fastball usage from four-seam and two-seam from last year. His combined fastball usage – see, this is the geeky stuff we do. His combined fastball usage dropped from 55.4% in 2022. This is dramatic. To 338 he is he is using the fastball went from 55.4 to 33.8 so he is dramatically changing how much he uses his cutter his curveball his changeup we're talking dramatically his cutter last year he used 14.8% of the time the cutter's up to 25.7 yeah, that's insane. He um, he's the batting average against his change his cutter is two hundred. He hasn't a lot of hit on his curveball and has a lot of hit on his changeup. So his curveball's gone from so his cutter's up 
Curveball's going from 6.1 to 12.2. Changeup, not really up. Oh, no, excuse me. The changeup is up. Uh, Curveball's up a little bit. Changes up. Slider, pretty much the same. So, basically, he's just going from fastball to cutter, which is basically a fastball with a different grip. Yeah, he's thrown his four-seam fastball three times this year. That's when you look at the really good teams in baseball, what they do is they find people and they change them. I mean, look at what Houston did with Garrett Cole. Look at what Houston did with Verlander. They brought them in and took and made them better. Yeah. They bring guys in. The Rays bring guys in, and their their baseball ops team. What do we call? What do we call our research guys? Research and data. The, our R and D team. Our R and D, not your D and D. Your R and D teams bring these guys in and make them better. And they find out. They say, "Hey, we're going to change you. Here's the data that says you do this, you'll be better. You'll be a better hitter. You'll be a better player. You'll be a better all around pitcher. You name it." And the Rays have been one of those teams that have been able to do it. And Eflin, who they brought in from the Phillies, they're seeing it right out of the gate. Largest free agent contract ever given out, three years, $40 million. We mentioned that earlier. But Jeffrey Springs, who they resigned this offseason, they gave him like six years, $30 million, $31 million. He's been great first start, six, six innings, 12 strikeouts. Uh, Travis Sochik of The Score, who's been on the show many times, friend of the program, wrote an article about Jeffrey Springs. I started reading it and how they brought him in and they and, – uh, Kyle Snyder, their pitching coach, told him pretty much, you know, you're not bad, you're just unlucky. And of course, I thought of you with all the, but they he they broke down all the stuff oh they had to work God. on, and he went from being a really bad reliever to a gr- Jesus, a- take the wheel, <laughs> take it from my head. Because once they release that baseball, they have nothing to do with anything anymore. And then the other guy too, Rasmussen. We saw how good Rasmussen was last year. He's on his eighth Tommy John. How many Tommy <laughs> Johns has he had? He's having. Yeah, I think he's had. I think he's had two. I think he's former had two. Bre- former Brewer. Well, he had the perfect game going. Yeah. yeah. And they're panicking because they're like, "Do we take him out? We got to take him out." Well, it's like last night. I, I was texting last night. I went and watched the San Jose Giants start their season last. Oh night. yeah, how about this, folks? They they lost by the way. Uh, fireworks though, so it's cool to see fireworks. Who the San Jose Giants? Yeah. The kid. The kid was pitching. Um, Chase Wisenhut, I think his name was. He was one of the Giants. He's, I think he was the Giants' second-round draft pick from this previous draft from uh, East Carolina. He was so he's pulled. a college guy. He's not a yeah, high school yeah. guy. He was pulled after three innings and had, what I tell you, I think it was like 35 pitches. Oh my God. 35 pitches he was pulled. And I, my, I was texting my buddy to the Giants, and he goes, yeah, he's on a pitch count. I'm like, it's game one. For what? I'm like, it's game one because the, the Fresno, the Rockies affiliate, left their starter until like the fourth into the fifth inning. Pitch count. Are they following what the Dodgers did last year? We talked about it. They, the Dodgers starters averaged around like 2.7 innings per start last year. They they bullpen more than anyone in baseball, not just minor league baseball, any level of baseball. Isn't it amazing how they've gotten you to get stupider? Like your buddy going, oh, I, I, that's, what, that's a pitch count. 35 pitches? Okay, I'll verify. All like right. for 35 pitches, you barely – Break a sweat. You're only going to throw 35 pitches every five days? I mean, what's the equivalent? Like, if you're playing hockey, you don't get to play in the game. You only get to play, like, two shifts. Ice time. There's on an ice count. That's it. Hey, you're playing a football game. Yeah, it's like it's like 
it, it, it's like the it's like the starters in, in in week two of preseason. You get two series and you're out. Yeah. So um, that's crazy. The guy that pits for the Fresno Grizzlies, the Rockies. He's a college guy. He's had a whole routine. He's pitched a lot of innings. Pitchers need to pitch to get better. Uh, yes, Vargas, who pitched for Fresno, went five innings. He threw 69 pitches. Okay, I can live with that, his first start. That's Wiz- his first start, right? Yeah, Wisenhunt, who pitched for the San Jose Giants, went three innings, only allowed three hits, struck out four, threw 35 pitches, 27 for strikes. I mean, can you imagine being a starting pitcher and who's the manager of the San Jose Giants? Uh, That's a good question. Let's see. Pull it up right now. Ben, no, that's the that's the that's the general general manager of the team. I'll find it for you. But thirty five pitches for a kid that was in. Let me let me make sure he was a I a college kid. But my so my buddy told me he was a college kid. I mean, wouldn't you be angry as a player that you only got to play in three innings, and now I'm have to sit there and watch? I mean, some of these guys are not even five man rotations. Can you imagine you pitch three innings and now you're not going to be able to pitch again? For you have to sit there and watch all this baseball before you play again. He was taken in the 65th pick in the draft last year, but it was saying something about he didn't even pitch at ECU. Um, and if he's coming off injury, wasn't I mean, it say that he? I guess he got suspended for dr- uh, drug something with dr- uh, positive test with some kind of thing. So I guess he didn't pitch last year. Ooh, he's a PED guy. He made eight relief appearances at East Carolina in 2020 before the season was canceled. Um, then he was c- considered a uh, top prospect for the draft. However, he served a suspension by head coach Cliff uh, Godwin to open the season. It was later announced Wisenhunt had failed a performance-enhancing drug test. Ooh, the old PED, but he still got a nice signing bonus, yeah. right? And he was ruled ineligible for the draft. He signed with the team for $1.87 million as a, as a second rounder. I mean, what do you do? I mean, what? What do you do if you're a minor league pitcher and you're supposedly a starter and you get to go like two, three innings? I mean, and then you just you just sit around for the next four days watching baseball so you can throw a, another two, three innings? I mean, at what point would you not speak up and go, this is ridiculous? It's ridiculous. They probably have an off day, too, because they usually play six days. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm hardly playing. Like, right? I mean, does do, do people not understand, like, participation? It's like you go to your job Monday through Friday, and you work, like, one hour a day. I mean, you're you're not playing. You're not getting better. All you're doing is working out. You're getting paid to work out. Like, how are you going to impress anybody? Is it going to really impress the brass of the Giants? Hey, his three innings were really good. Like, that's what's going to get you going for it. Like, what is the – and we saw this, like you said, with the Dodgers last year. What is the strategy? What is the strategy to not play people, to hardly use them? How do you grow? How do you grow as a person? How do you get better if you're not competing? Does that make sense? That's not even being an old school mentality. That's just like, how, how do you, it's like what they're talking about Tiger Woods, how Tiger Woods is, is so still banged up, he can't play. 
He wished he could play. I mean, you're talking about young, healthy athletes. They're not allowing to play. Yeah, the, the Dodgers thing last year, the Rancho Cucamonga Quakes is a team. Rancho Cucamonga. Uh, they, and by the way, A-ball, well, I was talking about that with, with uh, the great J.K. Do you know who J.K. is? Jessica Kleinschmidt? So, last year, she she did know, and as a pro, just kept going after she said it and didn't ask me, and I didn't know the answer either, is the California League back to just A-ball? Low A. No, no, I think they're back to just A-ball. They're not considered low. They were high A, advanced A. Then they were designated as low A. I think they may be back to just A-ball. Uh, Look it up. Well, well, no, on the, on the MILB app it says low because Lansing is the high A affiliate for us. Yeah, but you could just be I, – I saw Wikipedia, I think it said, and I believe everything I read on the Internet – that it's just a ball now. Yeah. See, look, if you go through on the major minor league baseball app, it goes triple A, double A, high A, single A. So what's single A? So that'd be the San Jose Giants. Yeah, so I have, know, so, but I don't think they consider that low A. So anymore. they're just single, single A, and, a. A, and then there's high it's A. It's just a ball. Oh, interesting. I, I I think so. It used to be because it used to be low A. Or well, it used to be high A. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Which they now call it? Were they are they calling it high A or advanced no. A? Uh, high A is high where a. Lansing plays is high A. Where the where Stockton plays and San Jose Giants is single A. I mean, I can, I just can't imagine being. I want to play. Like, can you imagine not being able to 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 do what you want to do? Like, I want to play. Yeah, it, it really That'd be frustrating as hell. You're the first person I thought of when I saw him get taken out of the game. I didn't see any pitcher checks though, where they you know check the. They didn't do any. Unless I just wasn't there. The beer batter did hit. But did once. that that's not get off my lawn, old man, right? I I'm a pitcher. I want to pitch. Yes, I don't think. I'm a starting pitcher. I want to compete, and I want to be there for more than three innings, two yes. innings. Let's hope. Yeah, but th- how am I getting? I'm throwing more in my bullpens than I am in games. Yeah, Rancho. Rancho was like they were under three. It was like two point seven last year. So. All right, we're, we're running close on time. Rancho Cucamonga. I'll follow them this year. Since I have access to those stats, I'll f- see what they do this year. All right, Mark Kotze will join us on Monday from Baltimore. Three games set, A's, Rays. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And uh, we'll have you all weekend long with A's Total Access and the A's Clubhouse Show right here on A's Cast. Congratulations to Paul Ham. How much time? Do I have time to promote the book? Uh, you have about 30 seconds. That doesn't give me a lot of time. Got your number. Paul Hambakiti is Mike Greenberg. They were on Good Morning America today. Get it on Amazon right now. And Matt Joyce, former A, doing TV now for the Rays for joining us on A's Cast Live. A's Total Access next. We'll see you on Monday.
This is Chris Towns, and there are two things that are a must for me, comfort and style. Whether I'm playing golf, going to dinner, I've got to have the right feel. That's why I've partnered with Link Soul, and you're going to love Link Soul. They have just released their new spring line, new fabrics for their polos, lightweight and perfect for technical performance. Link Soul also has new styles for their layers and hoodies with cool prints and seasonal colors. You know what they say in the big leagues, look good, play good. Go to LinkSoul.com. That's LinkSoul.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.